HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with the privilege of uh, Charlie Baum, co-founder of Cool Culinaria, um, which is a collection of vintage and food and beverage memorabilia from the past, what, century? Well, we go from uh, late 19th century, 1880s, uh, through 1970. Yeah. So mostly 20th century, but got some oldies in there. Yeah. But you're not just a collector. You are a restaurant lifer, a generational restaurant lifer from your grandparents to your father, uh, um, now dealing in the wares and the, the artwork that was on the walls of those restaurants. Let's talk a little bit about your past. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> your, your, your sultry, sultry past. Um, there we go. <laughs> your grandparents uh, owned a place up near Saratoga called Gross and Balm. Right. In Saratoga Springs, New York. Yeah. And what was it? Was it a restaurant? Was it a hotel? It was a uh, Victorian hotel, which I believe they owned after somewhere around 1920 through mid-1960s, uh, with a uh, fabulous kitchen, dining room, a gambling parlor at one time, <laughs> uh, great old uh, wicker rocking chairs on these vast porches, and you know, a fountain in the park-like setting where yeah. you parked your... Model T. <laughs> <laughs> Seems very dirty dancing to me. Uh, I don't think that got to that year. <laughs> it's very, it's so good, but it was a great, great experience for me. 
uh, to this day, I still remember the, the sights and the smells of the uh, of the kitchen, the people that worked there, not the smells of the people that worked yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but the camaraderie in the kitchen, uh, one of my favorite things was going out back and uh, using the water pump. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you literally grew up in the kitchen there. Um, and that parlayed itself into your father's life as well, right. who was a restaurateur here in New Correct. York. Mm-hmm. Um the notorious well not notorious that's, that's all right yeah i don't, I don't think he's like <laughs> joe bomb right um your father owned operated which restaurants uh well he his career started uh in new york uh in the, uh, 1953 or so or at the it wasn't quite in new york it was in, in newark new jersey at the newark airport a restaurant called the norker yeah that must have been a hard one to uh, pronounce for it's, New Yorkers. It, and it still is. Um, <laughs> and uh, from there, well, it, w- it was actually what was wonderful about that place was as it overlooked the uh, the runways, which were probably about two in those days. Um, <laughs> but it was the beginning, I think, uh, of the of his uh, restaurant uh, stage life, if you will, with uh, you know Fleming desserts and um, three clawed lobsters and <laughs> gigantic oysters, etc. At any rate. Uh, so from there, he came to New York uh, working with the Restaurant Associates, and uh, he developed uh, you know, somewhere around, I don't know, a couple hundred restaurants in his lifetime. Uh, from there was the developing of uh, development and the opening of uh, Forum of the Twelve Caesars, La Fonda del Sol, uh, uh, four, se- I say four Seasons already. Uh, and um, uh, from there, several restaurants, he opened his own place, Aurora. Uh, which had a short but uh, happy life, uh, and then all the way through Windows on the World. It's when it opened in '76, and uh, again uh, involved, uh, sadly, uh, right before its demise, and uh, a lot of rainbow room in between. Yeah, a lot of rainbow yeah. room. Um, now, what's funny is, did you push away against working in restaurants for most of your life? Well, let me say this in one word. <laughs> Naturally, <laughs> or maybe naturally, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I had this uh, wonderful vicarious, uh, you know, childhood, and as I got older, uh, uh, kind of living in the privilege uh, of, uh, of being, uh, you know, one of his kids and uh, having a lot of places to eat and been uh, given great attention to. Uh, so, uh, but it was difficult to imagine a kind of professional life in the restaurant business for a long time. Uh, because uh, my father had a, um, a pretty big personality, yeah, uh, and a pretty public one, and um, you know who wants to compete with that? Yeah, right? yeah. and we were discussing right before going on air about nepotism. You know, especially yes. in the restaurant industry, uh, you know, having to earn your chops. You actually went to restaurant school. I did. Uh, eventually, uh, after you know a couple of years of conversation, uh, he and I decided that it might be reasonable for me to approach the restaurant. <laughs> business uh and i but i, I made a, a point of uh, going through the new york restaurant school here uh to uh help you know give me my merit badge before you know i stepped out into uh into the restaurant world here in new york yeah well let's talk a little bit about the aesthetics of restaurants yes. because you know prior to working at or as you said living in the rainbow room for you know a dozen years <laughs> That's right. uh, you were a photographer um correct. or worked in image making yes going to film school at nyu That's correct. Uh, Martin Scorsese was a professor of sorts to you? It was our production teacher for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you were in this very vibrant and uh, creative you know, scene here in New York. I, yeah, I was uh, very happily uh, uh, you know, living here in New York. Uh, I guess for most of my life I have been. 
but part of what I did actually learn and become uh, sensitive to and impressed by, again, having the privilege of being in a lot of my father's restaurants, uh, is seeing the work of, you know, incredible designers, mm -hmm. um, architects, um, graphic designers, uh, you know, beautiful material, uh, and uh, that really, uh, you know, absorbed a lot of it in terms of uh, appreciating uh, the impact it had on, on the guests. Yeah, and a as a travel photographer, too, you must have seen restaurants around the world. Uh, I did, and uh, I left my imprint in several <laughs> <laughs> by uh, probably consuming more than uh, <laughs> yeah. one person should at any given time, anyway. Yeah. Um, were there design firms that, you know, uh, did the interiors for all the restaurants? No, the well, it depended. I mean, my uh, father worked, Joe Wick, worked with uh, Hugh Hardy on uh, the Rainbow Room, of course, and uh, on the last uh, iteration of, uh, of Windows. Uh, Alexander Gerard, a uh, very well-known designer uh, who created uh, the interiors of La Fonda del Sol and, and the really absolutely stunning graphics, which still uh, have great impact today. Uh, of course, Philip Johnson and the Four Seasons. So, uh, again, I, uh, you know, when my father would come home, you know, with an armload of plans and they would unravel across the dining room table. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot to learn and it was great. Yeah, but that's exciting to see the aesthetics uh, unfold of a restaurant. Absolutely. Because uh, uh, food, you know, uh, you see so many pictures of food this day, you know, today, but well, there, there isn't as much of a focus of the artist behind the, you know, the foundation of the restaurant, the walls and the decor. And that's, that's correct. And, you know, and one, uh, you know, uh, you know, brilliant human being I should mention is Milton Glaser, yeah. uh, who my father worked with quite a bit in the, uh, later years and, uh, best known for I heart New York, but has had his imprint on right. many restaurants. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that really solidified the impact of, uh, of, uh, graphics, uh, on me, as well as understanding the impact the graphics have, you know, within the environment of a restaurant. Yeah. So you've been collecting this paraphernalia. Uh, paraphernalia. <laughs> this is important yeah. stuff. <laughs> but uh, th this memorabilia. Um, yeah. Uh, for the past, you know, however many decades. <laughs> however many yes. years. There you go. Um, do you remember that first piece that you held? Uh, that that menu that you know woodblock poster that that piece of restaurant lore that you found collectible you know that's 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 a tough one um i remember probably the you know i was uh somewhere around 10 11 years old 12 years old when i think i held the four seasons menu in my hands and uh it's you know in the um the brilliance of it is is in its scale uh, the, the materials, rice paper, it was very tall. It still is, I guess. And um, the uh, images of the, uh, the icons of the seasons, of the individual seasons, which are still used today, were just, I thought, just incredibly fabulous. And, of course, you open this huge tablet almost. And if, I guess as a 12-year-old or whatever, you know, <laughs> no one could see me when I opened yeah. the menu up. But that was fine with me because I got lost in the language. Uh, in the typeface, if you will, uh, the general design of the menu, and I thought I thought this was really just an amazing, you know, something I was holding in my hand and was meaningful. Yeah, yeah. Are you like hypercritical of mm -hmm. restaurants these days of typeface of, you know, uh, menu design? Not really. You know, the um, I, I think the the understanding of what you know guests needs may be, uh, you know, in this century versus uh, you know the 1930s, the 1960s is is is, is different. 
uh, it was unimaginable the you know the potential for you know quick printing and changing menus daily and still looking you know incredibly fabulous uh, and didn't exist too long ago. Yeah. As well as you know, we're now getting used to reading things on video screens in a certain kind of uh, places we eat quickly. Yeah. So I mean, do you lose the tactile, the archival? nature of some of those things by I, being so temporal i think so yeah i think so um you know it, it doesn't necessarily diminish the you know the dining experience it's just it's just different yeah so i mean at your father's restaurants or you going to other people's restaurants how many menus were taken how many things were stolen i'm sure people were collecting on the sly as well that is a number I'm not admitting. <laughs> Let's leave it at several. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's cool to have these relics that you actually sure. want. Well, I think um, the uh, this is going back a bit, and still today, I'm sure, that the, um, the quality of the physical menu is one level of, uh, of impact on a diner. Uh, and, of course, people... Uh, and, you know, not too long ago, several decades ago, used to write their names in the menus and take them home as souvenirs of being very meaningful representation of experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, Harry and Sally yeah. uh, uh, are not the only ones, but, uh, you know, couples uh, who uh, were on a date and they would circle the, you know, the 35 cent sandwich and the 15 cent uh, milkshake and, and it would, would be dated and hopefully they lived happily ever after. Yeah, I, I love that line you just said, uh, the quality of the physical um, you know, because things existing in such a non-physical nature, you know, online or, oh, sure. you know, in, in some kind of yeah. digital form. Yeah. And it's funny talking to someone who worked in analog photography than having go, yeah. to deal with digital that, you know, it is a fleeting Well, I think thing. if you, uh, if one considers the, uh, the impact of the tactile experience, it's obviously one of the senses, which is, of course, what satisfying, you know, dining is about. And to be able to have your body, over exaggerating the point or exaggerating the point, is to you know touch something. And even today, when we in our own menu collection, when we are picking up something that's 50, 60, 70 years old, the quality of the paper is different, and there's a certain fragility, and you feel almost like you know, you've dug up this little archaeological thing, and you got to be careful. Yeah. You know? But it's great because you actually have it in your hands. Yeah. And let's talk about cool culinaria. Great. Which idea. yeah, <laughs> which. It's so cool. I mean, it's such go. an yes. apropos uh, term. Um, these these menus, these these uh, you know prints, these posters. I mean, it crosses the spectrum. What other kind of materials do you collect? Well, there, you know, on the on the beverage side, there's <laughs> there's the whole world of books. Yeah, um, and uh, so I've got my own collection of uh, meaningful, you know, cocktail history related books, you know, from the Jerry Thomases all the way up. So um, that's one area also that Cool Culinary is going to launch very soon. As, uh, we're going to go from the rest, pure restaurant side, and we're going into now the cocktail world as well. Oh, so cool. bars, saloons, and other kinds of dives where this uh, material will be uh, you know, represented. Yeah, yeah. And how do you source all these things? It's not like you're going to bars and saloons and asking to go in basements and dig around. Uh, that's Mostly true, <laughs> but uh, there's you know there's various uh, sites online uh, that you know we're, we're tuned into all the time. There are uh, people who now that know that we're uh, utilizing these menus who are beginning to get in touch with us. There are uh, the little roads you drive uh, unintentionally in the country somewhere, and it says antiques, and you know all of a sudden there's uh, half a dozen. You know, original diner signs from the 1950s, yeah. which uh, they say, listen, we can't sell these. Are you interested? <laughs> and I say, gone. Yeah. It's taken. Yeah. Is so it, what, it, it could really happen anywhere. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, have you found uh, signs of you know, restaurants foregone, but that you attended as a child and remember? Well, I, can I say this without dating myself? <laughs> no. It was a Dairy Queen in 1902. Yeah. Uh, there are some in New York. Um, Child's Restaurant. Uh, think of some of the chains of, the, um, you know, Schraff's, those kind of things. But places uh, kind of in the 50s and 60s. Uh, some of the um, later menus, you know, I would say post 19, because we say we got up to about 1970. Uh, there seemed to be kind of a turn in the um, uh, way uh, menu graphics worked uh, and the quality of uh, of the imagery in the paper and the printing processes, etc. Became a little uh, less special in my mind. Not to say they weren't great and beautiful menus, but they didn't have the same quality of um, the really extraordinary, you know, graphics that, uh, you know, we presented uh, Cool Culinaria. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break and go back to 1890 and Café Anglais in France. Fantastic. <laughs> go forward uh, to, looking forward you know, to the it. 50s, 60s, and beyond. Here we go. Excellent. You've You're been right. listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. Welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with Charlie Baum of Cool Culinaria. And it's CoolCulinaria.com, right? That's correct. Because I want people to go to the site and actually see some of these amazing images, uh, you know, going back over 100 years, like you said before. CoolCulinaria.com it is. Fantastic. And we have a couple of these images in front of us. And it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain how striking these are without actually seeing them. But, you know, the, the complexity is, is not that high. It's Well, I mean, it is, but... 
there aren't many colors. There's high contrast. Everything is very straightforward, but very poignant and you know uh, iconic. Well, there's a lot of boldness in delivering the message um, of the uh, spirit of the restaurant or the club, what have you. And uh, so the ones that we uh, are attracted to uh, are those that uh, you know represent either a lot of uh, energy, uh, a lot of color going on, on the page. Uh, you know, a lot of direct message of, uh, that you can't miss, particularly when you see, uh, you know, things that are, you know, figurative. Um, anything you're looking at there, I'm happy to describe. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the Café Anglais in France, yes. uh, 1890, uh, it has a face on the moon, a child with a giant spoon feeding that moon face. And this beautiful looking menu, too, um, which I'm assuming is some kind of, you know, a price fee, uh, you know, menu. Well, uh, those days, you know, a lot of things were handwritten or spoken. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, at the very beginning of uh, various printing processes, uh, including lithography, uh, you know, the representation of images b- became available more widely than ever before. Uh, and this particular one is uh, one that, that, that we love so much at Cool Culinary, it's, it's kind of become our own. Uh, you know, iconographic image, which we have on a lot of our literature, etc., yeah. of this of this moon face with a child holding a spoon trying to feed the moon. Yeah, it's really splendid. It's a it's a wonderful icon, and you know what's so striking about it too is that you do see that handwritten uh, nature. You know, and there aren't many restaurants that do that here in New York. Chanterelle was kind of famous for it for years with Karen Waltuck writing That's out correct. menus yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, with the advent of Photoshop and printing, you know. To keep daily specials, like you said, it's easier to have it all on there and print it out and just let it rip. Absolutely, yeah. But there's a, there's a certain charm uh, when you look at the handwriting of the you know late nineteenth century person. Yeah. I don't say versus my handwriting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would advise uh, reading a menu that I've written. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the Bill Miller's Riviera. Um, it's such simple colors, but the the, the palette, the tone is uh, so of that era and so vibrant. There is a Bill Mills uh, Riviera is, is one of my favorites. It was a nightclub just on the other side of the Hudson River. You know, the, that Hudson River Riviera. Where, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just uh, near the George Washington Bridge. Uh, and it was a nightclub. And uh, the uh, colors uh, that we can see here anyway in the studio are, you know, this very, very sharp blue and uh, bright yellow. Uh, and it's the kind of uh, modified by this tan color underneath the, the bright blue of the lettering. Uh, and... Uh, You'll have to come to Cool Clan Area to see it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, I mean, what, what's so striking about these things is that, you know, we see restaurant graphics or restaurant logos, um, and, you know, that's emblematic, but this shows you the space itself. This shows you the setting of, you know, Bill Miller's Riviera and where it is and the mood. Um, and it, it just, you know, there's such a setting in these images. I think they're, they're again, a different kind of... Uh, Thoughtfulness uh, when there was less uh, choice in terms of how to represent these places, uh, you know, by printing at least, so that the, that the thinking uh, of how we're going to make this uh, be uh, translatable. Yeah. So let's actually talk about printing because you mentioned lithography. Um, can you explain that process a little? Because I'm not sure everybody knows. No? Including me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, it was placing, a, I think, a specific color dye by layers, by a set of matrix. It was very, you know, it was very time-consuming and yeah. labor-intensive. 
Uh, and uh, there's certain, uh, I guess, uh, I think I'm correct in saying this, is certain lithographic processes by which most of us know a lot of poster yeah. production. Uh, and they, and they, early, you know, the late 19th century, the printing of these menus was not much different. They're certainly a different scale, etc. Uh, a menu is a little bit smaller than a poster. But, yeah, yeah, but, but very, very similar in terms of what the energy and the amount of time it took to produce. But I each like one. hearing the word time-consuming. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I like hearing that it actually took an amount of thought and effort to print out a menu in a sense. Well, I think that's you know adds another layer of of impressiveness uh, you know for us uh, to understand that part of it also. And I think when you see these things uh, on Cool Culinary. Uh, that you'll get get an idea of the difference in the eras uh, that these uh, uh, menus were produced, uh, and an understanding of not just who ate there, but who else you know participated in the creation of them. And fortunately, you know, several artists were employed. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a great thing. Yeah. Hearing that there are commission artists, yeah. you know, working for yeah. restaurants. Yeah. Um, you've named a few of the designers, but do you know the names of uh, the artists behind some of these graphics? Uh, the, well, there's, there's a, the, we actually were working on this aspect for the cool, kind of, cool, cool I can say it, right? Cool, <laughs> cool and there is site uh, to celebrate the artists uh, who created a lot of these things. Um, and some of them will be surprising. Uh, there's a series of, uh, of guys that produce these very famous uh, menus for the Hawaiian Islands for a lot of the shipping companies uh, and cruise companies uh, in, the, in, the, in the 50s, a guy named Macintosh. Um, was was one of them, and they look almost like they've been um, well, they've been painted by hand and incredibly colorful, uh, and with a lot of uh, images of uh, of local people, uh, and they're very highly collected, and uh, and they're very impressive to look at. But uh, even someone as surprising as Ansel Adams provided the oh, photography really? for the Yosemite lodges uh, and their menu covers. Yeah, that that's so, kind of that's so it's interesting. So it really ranges from the you know the hand created to a photographic process also. Yeah, and then taking out the artist touch, not saying that this doesn't take a you know, deft hand, but uh, these duo tones that you have in the section called Dinerville. On your ah, we right love now. Dinerville. Um, and they're hilarious too because they're simple little hearkenings back to uh, that day and age. Uh, some, they're on blue and white prints, some say minimum check 10 cents, home style cooking, uh, pay today and trust tomorrow, ladies served at tables only, delicious Italian style spaghetti. Um, where are you finding these quips and phrases? Sometimes you just get lucky and you, you trip over these things and when you're not even particularly looking for them. Um, several of these um, you know, I found uh, at a roadside antique shop that's only open two days a week, and it happened to be their closing weekend yeah. at the end of, la- of last summer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you see everything else on the wall, and suddenly I said, oh, my goodness, what are these? And anyway, so for, you can have them all if you'd like. And I said, that's what I was saying before. Uh, you, you're not, you, even when you're not looking, you can find these things. Um, and that's where I found several of the dinosaurs. signs. And my partner's found some, Barbara's found some in other places. She's got a great eye also. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you traverse the country, if not world, for these relics as well, right? It's like, you know, anything else that you, you know, you can't help. <laughs> we all have our own habits. This is mine, you yeah. know. Yeah, always travel. We were in, uh, my, I was with my family in Seattle uh, you know, a few months ago. 
Uh, and as we were kind of touring around, I said, uh, would you forgive me for <laughs> leaving you for the next half hour or so? And I dropped into this old print shop, and it turned out, the guy, wait a second, you know, he's clearing up, blowing off the dust in the bottom of desk someplace, and oh, here's a box of stuff, you know? So I found one great piece from there, so. That's awesome. You never know. Um, now, the ideals that were in these restaurants, that were behind these, you know, images, do you see that in today's restaurants? Ideals in terms of the, the, um, the intent of quality to deliver to the guests? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we sure. see so much DIY nature in local sustainable movement in restaurants today. It, it, it's funny that it's moved away from that as far as making these kind of visual things. Well, I think that, uh, you know, currently, uh, and we should thank the, uh, all the guys that preceded us and who have you know, generated the, the history of the restaurant business, uh, and dining out without, you know, without being academic about it because this stuff, the information is, is really fun to uncover and, and to learn about. But I, I think what's happened now is there's so much opportunity uh, for individual expression uh, and the expectation of, of people who do go out to eat to have a very and want a varied experience. Uh, and it depends, you know, where you live, where we are right now. For instance, at Roberta's, uh, you don't necessarily find, uh, you know, in everybody else's neighborhood, but it certainly is just perfect for here. Uh, there are um, all kinds of diners where you say, do it yourself. A lot of people now prefer to cook at home. Yeah. Um, uh, because there's such a different kind of quality of, uh, of food stuff available, for instance. But dining out, it's the same way. There's, you know, a, a million great ideas, and, you know, happily, there's 100,000 of them that are working. Yeah. So there's a lot more choice now than there was before. And I think before, also, people would go out, um, certainly not as regularly now. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, the restaurant business without credit cards. <laughs> you know what? They didn't exist before the, the 50s. So there was a whole other expectation and preparedness you had to have to take your family out to a special occasion. Yeah. Nice, you know, so it is different. So where do you take yourself and your family out? Uh, what, what are you drawn to in New York from a visual standpoint? Oh, boy, that's a good question, too. Um, sometimes I really like to focus on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because there, there's so much stimulation, and, uh, and sometimes there's a lot of things which I don't necessarily get. Yeah, like, you know, why is this place looking like this? Um, you know, so sometimes the big showy places—I won't mention any names—have a certain uh, soft spot for me because of uh, my father's uh, theatricality, if you will, in a lot of the places that uh, he created. Uh, but you know, one of our favorite things to do with our family is uh, we do our sushi regular. Yeah, it's, you know, it's simple. It's easy. There's not a lot of visual distractions. Yeah, we know what we want, and the plates are always beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so. funny that you uh, draw your eyes to the plate and away from the walls and away from, you know, all, all, all the other aesthetic. Yeah, uh, but that's things. just me. I, I, it's totally fantastic how other people, uh, you know, are drawn to the much bigger picture in the environment, you know, from who's there to uh, how big and beautiful and fabulous the place is and, you know, everything uh, that, that eventually comes out of the kitchen. And, you know, this is for another show I could carry yeah. on about this for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite restaurants that you miss that are no longer that held this theatrical nature that had these posters well, that you have in your collection? Well, there's you know, well, we also have these posters. Hmm, I got to look. Uh, one was the Norker restaurant, which we spoke about earlier, which I finally uncovered one uh, very recently, oh, yeah. a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, we got a, an email on our on the Cool Culinary uh, website from someone who says, "I love everything you have, but do you have anything?" Related to the Norker. <laughs> he said, 
well, that's unusual. So yeah. anyway, so fortunately we didn't now we're communicating with this, this person. Um, uh, something that's not on the website, though, uh, which I do miss dear, dearly, is this restaurant, La Fonda del Sol, which is the spectacular restaurant and what was known, then known as the Time Life Building in New York. And, and if you talk about the visual impact, this is the Alexandra Gerard um, Latin American restaurant, um, where I think... Uh, if I ever had a light bulb go on about the impact of the visual, you know, in restaurant experience, that was there. Yeah. What was it about La Fonda Soul that was so different from prior? Uh, it was the uh, it was there was an open kitchen uh, with incredible graphics. There was the the graphics program throughout the restaurant, the menus, the in those days the matchbooks. Yeah. The the match uh, the match strikers that were on the table. Uh, very colorful food. Uh, great kind of noise there was some entertainment there uh so these you know these uh, this dancing quartet would come by with you know with their cuban heeled boots uh you know while you're again i was 10 years old or whatever and i thought you know this is just an amazing experience yeah and it impacted me a lot yeah truly dinner and a show yeah there you go yeah 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 <laughs> but i think when you see these menus uh at uh, that you realize that the impact uh, that the menu also created, when you sat down and you held this in your hand, it created a different kind of an, uh, anticipation of what your experience was going to be. And, of course, the restaurant needed to live up to that. Um, and then you got to leave with it. Yeah. And many of these restaurants um, from the, say, 40s and 50s and probably earlier, uh, they would have these menus just ask for a menu if you'd like to take one home. And inevitably, they were smaller, and they would have a fold in them with a place for a little postage stamp. That's so you awesome. Send a menu to your whoever. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's great. Yeah, to share the experience. Yeah. Well, if you weren't able to get a takeaway from the fifties, <laughs> you can go to coolculinary.com and relive yeah, that. Come, sure, come era. visit us and travel with us. Excellent. Yeah, and I'm excited uh, to see what else you uncover. Now, if people are looking for um, things from specific restaurants and eras, can they contact you directly? And sure, just email us at you know info at coolculinaria. Yeah. And uh, come to the website, see what's there. You'll get an idea of the kind of the genres that are up. Uh, but we have a, uh, a large curated collection yeah. you know, that, we'll, that, we're, that we'll continue to tap into. And, of course, we're getting new material all the time. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to, as I said, keep on seeing what you collect and what you... Uh, Good. We look forward to bringing bring it to you. Excellent. Thank right. you again, Charlie. And uh, uh, thank you for uh, being a fabulous host <laughs> and, and uh, inviting me to be here with you. It's <laughs> a great day. I do my day. best. I do my best. Um, you've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. Your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.